Would you open God's precious holy word to Psalm 72? This is the final psalm of book two of the Psalms. In case you're ever on jeopardy and have to answer that question. And it's a glorious psalm. It's a beautiful psalm. It's a, you're going to see that Solomon wrote the psalm and he compares the reign of Messiah to the wonderful reign that God gave him uh, when he was king of Israel. So let's consider then the reign of Messiah as we look at Psalm 72. Justice, justice and righteousness. These are so important in, um, in the leadership of, uh, of a nation or a kingdom. Of Solomon or understood a psalm of Solomon. Elohim, give your judgments to a king and your righteousness to a king's son. Maybe an early reference to David, his father, and to himself. But you will see how he leads this as the Holy Spirit inspires him. He leads this thought into the uh, reign, the universal and eternal reign of Messiah, who, of course, is the son of David as well. He, okay, Solomon's writing it. Now he's, he's talking in... Uh, He's talking in third person. So he's talking about the Messiah. He will judge your people with righteousness and your poor people with justice. Let me stop there. Only, only, really, only recently in my life. This is personal belief, you know. Um, a personal opinion. But only recently in my life have I experienced or observed the possibility of, of inequality in justice, in, in, in a justice system. I speak, I speak frankly about Christians and how they're treated um, in our country. I'm not, I, don't know, I don't know the laws of other countries, but I, I do know that in the Bill of Rights, the exercise of Christianity, for example, is supposed to be, um, is supposed to be unrestrained and, and unhindered. And yet in our nation, we see more and more of judges and ordinances that are created by local and state officials and even federal officials who write statutes that obviously are, are anti-Christian, anti-Christ, frankly. And I don't know, I, maybe I didn't pay that much attention through the years, but it just seems like in recent years I've observed this unlike I've ever seen it before. Uh, where where a, a subculture of people, 
can noise abroad their opinions, their lifestyle, their beliefs, and so forth. And there is no restraint. But if a Christian stands, as Christians have done in this nation for for 200 years, if Christians stand in opposition to that with the gospel, not with taking up arms or, or anything like that, if they stand with the scriptures and refute sin, then I have read where they're in our country where they are arrested, they're fined large sums of money, uh, they're, they're, they're hassled and, and no one stops people from mistreating them physically and otherwise. Now, I said that to say this, what a blessing it is in any society to know that people are judged righteously and that poor people who, who can't afford to contest the system uh, because they just don't have the money that, that wealthy people do, that poor people are judged with justice. Doesn't make any difference. Solomon is alluding to the reign of Messiah. Everything is judged in perfect righteousness and Equal justice, of course, by the Lord. Now, it seems, and we're looking here toward the millennial kingdom. We're looking here and Solomon is, is the, the Holy Spirit through Solomon's psalm here uh, is giving us a brief glimpse of, of life in the millennium. You have to. Think about it, the millennial kingdom. It comes when Satan has been bound. So it's 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 hard to imagine uh, an earthly, worldwide kingdom that will not have the oppression or temptation or attack or whatever of Satan and his minions. In Matthew 25, the only people who are living in their physical bodies and haven't died yet at the end of the tribulation who are invited to populate the world by the Lord Christ himself, the only people are believers. So that kingdom starts off with nothing but believers. And uh, the Lord Christ establishes his throne uh, in Jerusalem and Ezekiel teaches us uh, that there is a, a new temple, a millennial temple. And it's talked about in other places, but especially in Ezekiel. Uh, the city is renamed. The Lord is there. That's the new name. Isaiah and others tell us, and, and the Revelation teach us, that there are actually other nations besides Israel. But Israel... Israel is most favored and will be the most populated nation, be the most prosperous nation. 
And the Lord Christ, who is the king of all kings in the world, will rule over all of the other kings and, and they will bring their honor, the honor of their nations and so forth. Matter of fact, it's, it's, it's talked about here in this psalm. So you have a, 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 it's a, people who enter into the kingdom are still in their physical bodies. And in one of the parables where the Lord says, I will, and he speaks, I will give you authority over 10 cities and I'll give you authority. Some scholars believe that that means that saints, resurrected saints will be, we're, we're told that we are joint heirs with Christ. So apparently it is that resurrected saints are given authority in some ways uh, to rule, of course, under the auspices of Christ. And then the revelation teaches us that these, these various nations, there will be nations in the millennial kingdom, but they'll be, they'll be subjected, they'll be in subjects of the, the king of kings and his kingdom. Uh, so there are other kings. The point being, there won't be any unfairness or any inequities in that kingdom, Solomon is given a spiritual glimpse using himself and thinking of himself, obviously, as, as something of an earthen illustration of a glorious kingdom yet to come. So he sees Messiah, who is the son of David. Solomon is the son of David, but, but the son of David, the one who will reign in the millennial kingdom, of course, is Christ. And he speaks about him. He will judge your people in righteousness. The mountains will bring peace to the people. And the little hills by righteousness. So it is a reign of peace. When you study what few verses there are that speak of this millennial kingdom. You will note two things in particular, aside from absolute equitable justice. You will find that in that kingdom, there is peace. Isaiah seems to reveal that there are people within that kingdom who are born in the kingdom age who may refuse to take their trek, their appointed time to Jerusalem. And Isaiah, it's, it's an immediate death penalty. You don't think about things like that in the millennial kingdom, but they're, they're because it comes out of the heart of a man. There's no tempter, but these things come out of the heart of a man. It's an interesting study, and I'm not going to get into that right now. That said... Absolute righteousness, world, verse 3, worldwide peace, no inequities among people. He will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the sons of the needy and crush the oppressor. Now Christ begins his reign with, with military invasion, I guess you'd say. 
Battle of Armageddon. The strongest of the earthly powers are there and they show themselves to be absolutely nothing in the presence of the returning Christ. He's not really invading. He's just coming back. It's his. He, he created it. He's just taking it. He's, he's kicking out the people who don't belong there. You know, they, they don't really have a, they don't, it's not theirs. He brings justice. So when he says he brings, brings justice to the poor people, it's just saying he doesn't leave anybody out. He doesn't ignore anyone. And they are saved, they are delivered, and oppressors are crushed. Now this is how the millennial kingdom starts. All oppression put aside. All of the needy people delivered. And the most pathetic and pitiful people in the world who are living when Christ comes are the ones who belong to Christ. They didn't have anything. They couldn't buy or sell. They didn't have a mark of the beast. They can't own property. They had to hide in caves and in mountains, the mountains of Bozrah, according to the scriptures. Most of them are killed, according to the revelation. But those who survive are poor. They've been oppressed. They've been chased. They've been sought after. But Christ delivers them. This is how he starts his kingdom. My clicker's not clicking. So here, let's, here, here's the people's response. They will fear you, reverence you, and be in absolute silent awe of you as long as the sun and the moon endure. Throughout all generations and time, he will descend as rain upon cut vegetation like showers that water the earth. The righteous will flourish in his days and abundance of peace will flourish until there is no more moon. Did you know at the end, at the end of his reign, at the end of his thousand years there won't be any more moon or sun not like we know it because everything everything is dissolved when he sets up the the great white throne of judgment of final judgment so through those thousand years the righteous folks are going to be in charge. An abundance of peace. When it says that, that word, that means on the local level, on the community level, on a national level, on a worldwide level, there won't be any conflict. It will, it will be immediate. If, it, if there is, it's immediately dealt with as are those who would be the ones who started all. That's another study. So total righteousness and peace for all of those thousand years. 
That is the rest of time in the first heaven and first earth. That is the that is to that is really till the end of time as we understand it. And Christ then sets up the great white throne after a brief rebellion, even in the millennial kingdom, even when there is no, uh, even even when there's no sickness or any, the the original, uh, the, the the all of the original curses are are removed, but Satan is loosed for a little season, and it's. It's hard to believe that there are those who, who will be born in those thousand years who will join in that brief rebellion against the reign and rule of Christ, but it'll immediately be crushed and put down. And that brings the time of man and history of the universe, the first world, the first earth, first heaven, brings it to an end. Then... The heavens and the earth fly away, the revelator says. Peter says the elements will melt with fervent heat. Somehow the only thing that's left is this great white throne and the final judgment. And it is the judgment of the wicked dead. It doesn't come until that time because it has to include even the wicked dead who died in the millennial kingdom. And then there's no more moon. So for those thousand years, righteousness and peace surrounding the world, an era, a time, an age unlike the world has ever known. And the king's reign will be universal. Speaking of that millennial reign, he will reign. Solomon is looking forward to that great son of David. And he will reign from sea to sea. And from the river, that's the Euphrates River, to the ends of the earth. Wilderness dwellers will bow before him and his enemies will lick the dust there won't be anybody in the world anywhere who won't be under his authority. The kings of Tarshish, the isles will bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba will offer a gift. And all kings will fall down before him. Nations will serve him for a thousand years. However nations are productive, whatever their productivity is, however prosperous they may be, from their productivity, they will bring lavish gifts to the king of kings. And they are, according to Isaiah, they are appointed a time during the year to come and stand before the Christ, Messiah, and let him teach them. He will teach them. Huh. God will teach the scriptures to his people. So they happily and gladly, I'm sure it's a, it would be a time for whatever appointed time a particular nation may come. It would be, I'm sure it would be a time of, of festivities and happiness and glory and joy. Singing unlike we've ever known. 
and preaching and teaching that is indescribable. And they will all come and serve him and the kings will fall down before him. Of course, there's care for the poor for he will deliver the needy when he cries and the poor who has no helper. He will spare the poor and needy and will save the souls of the needy. He will redeem their soul from oppression and violence and their blood will be precious in his sight. Another way to say that word blood is their lives, their life. Their life, precious. The life of the flesh is in the blood. It doesn't mean that they spill their blood. It means the essence of their life, precious in his sight. So it's not as though, it's not as though it's a world of communism in the millennial kingdom. Here and other places, it is revealed that some are just going to be more productive than others for whatever reason. But Christ cares for them all. Whoever they are, they are precious in his sight. So here is a blessing, a kingdom and his name. And he will live and he will give him the gold of Sheba. And prayer will be made for him constantly. And daily he will be praised. This great Messiah will live. And he receives gold of Sheba. It's an allusion to the great gifts that Solomon received. You see, this is a song of this is a psalm of Solomon. And he, res, he received lavish gifts from the Queen of Sheba. Christ will receive so much more. Prayer made for him constantly, continue, or to him. You could translate it to him. I mean, let's think about it. If it's your time to go into Jerusalem with your nation, just to speak to Christ <laughs> is prayer and praise. Prayer and praise all the time. There will be an abundance of grain on the earth. On the mountain peaks, its fruits rustle like Lebanon. They will blossom forth from the city like the grass of the earth. The blessing of the Christ for all the world. Did you know, and you probably know this if you, if you, if you study um, science and and geology and such, you know, the, in the in the hard crusted mountains and and ground of even the coldest places on Earth and on the highest mountains, fossils of 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 sea life have been found. Once a universal flood, right? Before the flood, apparently, 
You have to look at the book of Job and a couple of other places, but apparently there was this supercontinent and the, 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 the continents hadn't broken up yet. So there's one big supercontinent. And the whole world was prosperous. And so there would have been no ice caps or anything like that. Which, and you know, I'm just spitballing here, right? But I wonder, these people scream about climate change. What's so bad about a cold place getting warm? I've been, I've been too cold here the last couple of days. What is so bad if it was like 75 degrees all the time? I don't know. I can't. I don't know. But the earth in the pre-flood world was a different place. Dr. Carl Ball speaks of how amber was discovered. And for amber to have been made, it had to have been in a process for a long time. Bubble of air in there would have been air from what we would think of as the pre-flood world. It was 30% oxygen. Today, the oxygen is between 16 and 20% around the world, according to where you are. 30% oxygen in that piece of, of amber. The magnetic field of the earth has a half-life. You can actually measure. You can take where we are and take the measurement that was made some years ago, quarter century ago, half century, and you can go back and you can take that because you have two points on a scale. Now you can go backward in time and you can approximate the strength of the, uh, of the magnetic field in that time. Some believe that the rachia, the firmament, would have been an ice frost covering that made the earth like a greenhouse. If that's so, then the pressure, the, the, the air pressure would have been twice what it is now. Now that, according to scientists, is a perfect world for life to exist. 30% oxygen, uh, twice the atmospheric pressure. And a magnetic field that is two to two and a half times what it is today. So um, one scientist says that in that environment, the venom of a snake would have actually been good for you. Or the venom of a spider. Because protein upon protein, if you had something wrong, this protein would bring bring about almost immediate healing. Now, with the loss of the magnetic field, with the loss of atmospheric pressure, the protein out out of venom binds back upon itself, which makes it poisonous to the person who's been bitten. But it wasn't that way, according to what I've read in those days. What are they? Well, here's the point. It's going to be restored like that in the millennial reign of Christ. A wonder to behold. I don't know how he's going to do it. You know, I'll pass by. There's a couple of places I go. One place in particular. And there is a junkyard that goes about a mile. And it goes everywhere. There's a place on my, on my way home to Gadsden. 
and he goes down into this ravine. And there are cars down in there that are 50, 60 years old, 70, I don't know, old cars, rusted out, and trees are growing through them. This huge, almost endless junkyard. Now I'm going somewhere with this. And I think to myself, how in the world is the Lord going to dress that up in the millennial kingdom? So things like that bother me. They don't keep me awake, but they bother me. But I'll bet you if I thought of it, he's already got it figured out. It'll be a pristine global paradise for a thousand years. You have a garden, it will overproduce all the time. Curse will be lifted. You don't have to worry about thorns and thistles and all this kind of stuff. Just go out there and get you a plate full of stuff. Everything will be just right. Fruits growing abundantly. All over the world. North Pole, South Pole. Those things won't be like that anymore. They will blossom forth from the city like the grass of the earth, grass, you know, carpets, everything. And this is, this is grain and fruit. He's telling me, he says, it's going to grow like grass. His name will endure forever. As long as the sun, his name will continue. And people will be blessed in him. All nations will praise him. There won't be any reason to be mad. Everybody will have what he wants or what she wants in the Lord. To enjoy his presence, to stand in his presence, and then, most likely, to be guided. By resurrected saints. Man, can you imagine that? They'll teach the preschool. They'll teach school. What a world. No wonder the nations praise him. No wonder the Bible says people are blessed. will be blessed in him. So this psalm ends with this final blessing here. Blessed is Yahweh Elohim. Blessed is the Lord God. El Yisrael, uh, the God of Israel, who alone performs wonders. You cannot ascribe any of these glorious things to anyone but the Lord himself. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let all the earth be filled with his glory I got carried away there in my translation. Amen. Amen. Uh, amen and amen. With his praise, his glory, the whole world filled with it. Man. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are completed. So this closes the second book. Of the Psalms. Okay, well, 
those days sound better than what today was. We'll stop there and we'll have our deacon prayer time.